be to God. Amen. Aren't you glad it's that simple? I'm so grateful that no matter how much we learn about the Lord and about doctrine and principles of theology and all of that, none of that really helps us to be able to approach Jesus. I've wondered myself down through time uh, if all the theologians that I've met and the ones that you've met would have been living 2,000 years ago. Would we have been one of those characters in the Bible that had enough faith to stop Jesus? Or would we have been some of those silent people that didn't really do anything? Just wanted to argue and debate and fuss. and Nothing, nothing wrong with learning now. Nothing wrong with us understanding where we stand. But to be able to have faith to stop him, to me, it's such a great, great thing. Amen. Well, I'll tell you one thing. He stopped by this way Wednesday night, didn't he? Praise the Lord. Amen. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. I've just been rejoicing ever since. Amen. I so, so appreciate it. Now, we're not here tonight to try to make a repeat of that. It's one thing that I saw in Pentecost that if you seen God move a certain way and you sung a certain song, well, they'd wear that song out for the next month, you know, trying to cause the same thing to repeat again. But we know that, that services, when God moves, it's sovereignly given. It don't come by me. Well, what'd you do, Brother Donnie? Nothing different. Not one thing. I did not one thing different. I prayed, I studied, I submitted myself as I always do the same way. What'd y'all do different? So guess who did different? Him. So we want him to do it as often as he wants to. I, I'd like. <laughs> Amen. God bless you. So, so appreciate the opportunity for us to be together. That was Wednesday night. I don't know about you. I'm hungry again. Amen. I've been eating since I was a little bitty old guy. And it's just something about my body. I eat and I eat and I get, you know, get filled up and I get hungry again. Y'all get that feeling? Ain't that something? Isn't that amazing? We just have to keep on eating and eating and eating and eating. Ain't no telling how much food and groceries I've eaten since I'm 63 years old. There ain't no telling. I've got an investment in this thing. Sorry outfit. My goodness. But you think about it spiritually. You eat and you eat and you eat and say, well, my goodness, won't take care of us over? No, service time again. Say, Lord, here's my cup. Fill it up, Lord. Amen. I'm sure there are probably many of you already heard that Brother Ron Spencer's uh, surgery was successful and was able to remove the cancer from the brain there. A couple of spots are going to have to treat with uh, uh, gamma radiation. Um, and uh, uh, Brother, his son, Brother Andrew, had sent a little clip, a little video clip today, and he was walking, um, pushing a little thing, you know, getting, got him up walking, and they downgraded him from ICU into another room. So we're grateful to the Lord for that. But then, <clears throat> praise the Lord. Brother Andrew texted a bit ago, maybe 5.30 or 6 or something like that, and said he had a pretty strong headache, which they said would be part of, part of that type of surgery. And uh, he texted the ministers, and, and then I got a reply from him just a few minutes ago. And it went down from, a, from an 8 to a 6, but... Myself, I'm not satisfied with six. Are you? I wouldn't be if it's me. 
Would you just be satisfied with the six? Remember whenever the prophet told the king, whenever he gave him those arrows and he told him, strike the ground. Well, the king struck once and struck again, struck three times. The prophet got plumb bent out of shape. The prophet absolutely rebuked that man and said, why did you not strike but three times? As many times as he would have struck, that's how many victories they would have got. Can you believe that? Our victories might be determined by us and not just God. And we think it's all him. If he had struck ten times, he'd had ten victories. But he struck three, so guess what God gave him? Three. So we're going to pray for our brother again tonight before we approach the word. I wonder how many of you have got a, a request, a need in your heart. We'll get your arrows out now. Just how much ever faith you've got. Just strike the ground. Let's pray together. Father, we want to thank you tonight for all the prayers that you've answered for us. Jesus, we love you so much. Our souls are still rejoicing in the magnificent way that you come among us Wednesday night. We thank you for that, Lord. But here we are again, and our cups are lifted up toward heaven. We have needs again, Father. We don't want to be as ungrateful children that constantly receive of your blessings and never stop and give you thanks. And we are grateful, Heavenly Father, to know that you have so much more than we will ever be able to ask for. As a matter of fact, the prophet used the term untapped resources that you have that we have never even broke into. I know as we go on in time, I told Carol was talking about divine healing and uh, so many things that you're doing among your people, and we're so grateful. And I told her today, I believe, I believe we're going to see a lot of divine healing among us. And one of the reasons is because we've got so much sickness. We've got so much sickness, so much disease, so much trouble, so many things that's going on. And I believe you want to move among us, Father. That's part of, part of who you are and part of who we are. We thank you, Lord, that Brother Ron Serger was successful. We know, Lord, that it was a very risky situation. He could have lost his sight. He could have went totally blind. We're grateful, Father, that you were merciful to him. Lord, his peripheral vision is not yet returned, but we're believing that it will. Father, you see tonight that he's there on that headache. We thank you that it moved from an eight down to a six. But Lord, we want that thing to just leave him. Lord, we agree together tonight in the promise of your word. You said, if any two on earth agree as touching anything, it shall be done. Lord, you saw the hundreds of hands that were uplifted here tonight. Father God, what they're asking, what they're facing, maybe it's financial, maybe it's physical, domestic problems, family problems, makes no difference. You're God over all of it. So we ask you tonight that you'd help your people, Lord. We know Father even delays in our prayers does not mean that you haven't heard us, but sometimes it just takes the angel a while to get around to where we're living at. But Father, I pray that you'd help us to be faithful while the angel makes his journey. Speak to us tonight from your word, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you, saints. <clears throat> Let us um, turn again tonight, if you would, in the book of Daniel. Before I read to you, I just want to express my love and appreciation to you all.
I appreciate the opportunity to be able to get to speak to you and get to preach the word to you. It's a highlight of my life to be able to speak to the bride around the world. I'd like to just hug all of you up, just kind of put my arms all around all of you and just hug you up. But as you can see, I got short arms, so that, that wouldn't quite be possible. But I just want you to know I love you with all my heart. And if I ever, if I ever have to get on you and you know, if I have to preach hard on you sometimes, it ain't because I'm mean-spirited and I don't like you. I love you with all my heart. And I want to spend eternity with you. <clears throat> so, amen. Let us venture again tonight into this supernatural realm that God had written here in the book of Daniel. The first insight, really, of this kind uh, from the Old Testament, uh, Daniel chapter 10, verse 11. The angel Gabriel now has finally broke through after 21 days, and he brings this message to Daniel. And he said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto thee, and stand upright, for unto thee am I now sent. And when he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. Now, I always, myself, whenever I listen to people's experiences and people, you know, see angels and this and that and the other and all kinds of things that go on that people say have happened to them, you, you, you just, you know, you just take people's word for it and you listen to them. But whenever I hear people's supernatural experiences, I like to compare them to the ones in the Bible. And you hear people talking about, boy, this angel come to him and this and that and the other, and they just sat down across the table from him and just carried on this big conversation. I really have a problem with that because I don't see John acting that way, Daniel acting that way, the men of the Bible. So, you know, myself, I always like to go back to the Word. And I don't figure any of us are the caliber of people that Daniel was, do you? Now, this is what this did to this man. Remember, John nearly passed out. Daniel was, was nearly sick after this. And he said, I stood trembling from this awesome presence of this angelic being. Then said he unto me, fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand. Now, what's the key that motivated him to pray? It was a lack of understanding. And he'd been reading the prophet Jeremiah's quotes. So he was quoting a prophet and reading the prophet's quotes and trying to understand the prophet's quotes. From the first day that thou didst set thine heart, not his head, thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before God. Thy words were heard and I am come for thy words. I am come for thy words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief, notice categorically, the prince of Persia was not a chief. But Michael is a chief. It's good to have a chief on your side. 
Now, Satan has chiefs. We know that. But they don't rank as high as this one does. One of the premier arche. Arche is first in the order of succession in power. One of the chief princes came to help me. And I remained there with the kings of Persia. So there was a prince of Persia and there were kings of Persia. May the Lord bless his word. You may be seated. I want to speak to you again tonight on Satan, the opposite of kenosis. Pride, arrogance, stubbornness, foolishness. That's Satan. Humility, love, forgiveness, that's God. Satan cannot relate to such establishment of a kingdom like this. I don't think that he understood it. In the beginning when God began to bring it on the earth and however it was that he brought it from the universe, he must have marveled at it as he seen God. Because from the beginning when the Logos went out of the eternal, it was an act of condescension. Him changing himself, if you can understand it, in the way of humility to bring himself in a greater expression. And Satan must have, even in his Lucifer form, and that original form that God gave him, must have been much about the Godhead that he looked at, did not understand. He certainly doesn't understand it today. And as God began to deal with humanity, it must have been so overwhelming because he saw things that God had that he himself did not have and did not desire. Now, he wanted to be like God. He even set his heart, his soul, as God. He made his boast and his brags that he would be like God, raise his throne above the sons of God. But yet there's much about God he detests, much about God's character he does not like, much about God's way. Now, what what we want to do by the help of the Lord is to see the epitome of both of these kings as they are reflecting their attitude and their character in the people who are their subjects. As Satan built his upon rebellion and pride and stubbornness, so his people are there today. As God builds his upon himself, upon love, humility, his own nature, so the real people of God reflect that in the kingdom of God. They are displaying the token life of the king himself. Now, whenever these angels then, uh, which were created beings, the other category of angels, I, I myself, I'm still trying to see if they were actually ever created or not. Or if they were just an expansion of the eternal. Now, some angels were created on a day. They were brought into existence to fulfill the purpose and time. But other angels are elect. You were not created in a certain day, so I'm just wondering myself, did those angels ever have a beginning? 
Or were they not expanded from the eternal himself? Now, in this, God made them in degrees. And notice this in in Daniel, again, verse 13. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days, but lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. I imagine that there's much about this that we could relate to that I can't say I fully understand. Now, maybe if you do, you can help me. But if God knew that Gabriel would not be able to break through the prince of Persia. Why would he ever send him in the first place? Why would he ever send him? Now we know that God doesn't do things in a frivolous way. God doesn't waste his time. So if God sent an inferior angel to meet a superior angel knowing that the superior evil angel would hold him at bay for 21 days, you and I both know enough about God to know he would not do that without a reason or a cause. Is that right? But as I read this, rereading it again today, it made me wonder about us, that sometimes we meet things in our life and in our journey heading toward heaven, And God knows that we will be inferior to the power out here that we're coming against. And he knows that we will need a heavenly help to be able to ever get victory over the top of it. And I wonder why God would do this and why he would allow this to be written. This is the first time that we have any such thing uh, written of a heavenly battle in this way. But I know enough about him to know that he does not do things without a divine purpose and call. So to me, there's, there's something in you, even though he didn't say, now look, I did this because of this and I did this because of that. I think we can learn from the relevance of what we see that whenever God sends things like this, he has a great reason behind it. I think we can look in the same way. That God many times will allow the hour of darkness to get the upper hand sometimes against his children. He will allow Satan to move in and actually bring us to a spot that it looks like we're almost in defeat. And we know that Satan could never do that if our father did not allow him to do it. Is that right? And whenever we look at that, that's the time when we as humans, that's when our fear escalates to such a place. But if we could just be mindful in those times to know that God allowed that, it could not have happened if God had not allowed it to come that way. And know that he's mindful of you. Now, I don't know if angels, uh, these elect angels, Gabriel, Michael, Wormwood, all these others that are the elect angels of God, I, I don't know if they understand or if they relate, if they feel fear, if they feel frustration, if they feel anxiety. You know, they're an angelic being, a spirit being. It's hard to imagine they would feel in the same way as we do. I don't imagine that this angel facing this superior one, he would have been like you and I if we would face a demon of cancer, a demon of whatever more, and we would hear that and we begin to experience human fear. 
Uh, angel, angels don't relate to us and we cannot relate to them. So it must have been a warfare that is beyond what you and I can comprehend. I don't know how angels fight. There again, if you can help me, I'd appreciate it. I don't know what angels use to fight with. I don't believe they were sitting down and debating. I need truth. No, you ain't getting through. I told you I need truth. No, I told you. I don't know what, what they use, how they go about doing it. But all I know is that in his own terms, they were fighting. Now, what does this mean? I don't know. But it must have been something so powerful on the negative side that Gabriel, which is a mighty angel of God, could not break through on his own. Now, I believe the adjectives that God allowed Daniel to use in writing about this lets us know that even in the hierarchy of the angelic realm, that a similar saying can carry down to us as well. Now, us as human beings uh, ever to meet any of these angels, fallen angels against us, my goodness, would be terrified on our own. But as children of God filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, then greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We are more than a match for anything that Satan would ever bring our way. You believe that? So keep that in mind that whenever we're talking about now Michael and Gabriel, we're talking about angelic rank, but when we come to angels versus sons and daughters of God, that's a complete different thing. God never gave the earth to angels. He gave it to men. God will not restore the earth to angels. The restoration of the earth will be back to sons of God again. Sons of God actually have more authority, more pull in heaven than the angels of God do. Now I want you to think you're sitting here tonight with the baptism of the Holy Ghost in your soul. Then your words in heaven have more weight than an angel of God. If you are washed in the blood and you have the very token life of the Lord Jesus himself, amen. The very words that you speak, if God can move upon you. Now listen, angels have been dispatched to do many things. We know when it comes to kingdom affairs, and we'll look at them in the next few services. But yet, it's not the same as if a son or daughter of God could do it. Now, if God has a messenger tonight, God has an ability of moving and sending an angel that would come around your heart and be able to pass on an influence or an atmosphere to you to help your faith. But if God actually has something to say, he will use men on the earth. You'll never see an angel pick up a tablet or a Bible or a message book and preach a message. God never committed the gospel to angels. He has to men. And it is not, we have no record that angels actually pray or intercede. They are objects by which God in his divine will will disperse them according to the prayers of the saints. We have no record that angels pray or the prayers of angels are heard, or that the prayers of angels are catch the ear of God. It is the prayers of God's people. So it is the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man that availeth much. 
But yet the angels are dispensed at the divine favor of God and the will of God whenever the humans on the earth are in need. Now here are are two major things that we look at in this time frame in the book of Daniel. And that is according to you Wednesday night to 538 BC that part of the people of God had already been allowed to go back to Jerusalem. And God was moving on the kings because the 70 years of Jeremiah's prophecy was coming to the time of termination. And God had to move on the king's hearts in order to allow them to do so. But the prince of Persia that was there on the the domain of the king, he was trying to hold back of what the kings would allow them to do. Now remember, because they were a natural people, they were not spiritual led, God would use kings, magistrates, potentates, and different people like that in order to orchestrate the will of God. So God's will was that he would move upon the kings and the magistrates, and they would allow the people of God to go back into the land and start rebuilding the wall, the temple, and so on. But God wanted also them to be linked together under the administration of the prophet Daniel. Now, whenever Daniel was sent there in the presence of God, and you know, if you study the prophets and you know their time frame, you know that Daniel was actually a contemporary of Ezekiel. So they were alive about the same time frame. Jeremiah had already passed. So they were contemporaries, and yet God dealing with Daniel in a total diverse way of the way that he dealt with Ezekiel. But Daniel is now the one, and the burden comes on his heart, not Ezekiel, but on Daniel's heart to begin to pray, God, when is the time? When are your people going back? But at the same time God was doing that, he was already dealing with a political force in order to release them. Remember Nehemiah when he was there and he was a cupbearer and he had a sad face and the king said, Nehemiah, what's wrong? What's the problem? He said, well, my, my people are, we don't have a place to worship. And he said, well, what, what is your people? Who are you? Remember the story? And whenever he began to tell him, so he gave him the authority. Who was it? Now the angel of God moved down in the court of the palace. And the angel of God moved upon the king's heart through what? Through the sad face of Nehemiah. Now your God was able. Notice how the angelic and the human merged together. Lord have mercy children. I wonder how much more that God could do among us if we would just yield our hearts, yield our lives to the Lord Jesus and the angelic and the heavenly merged together of what God could do among us. And as Nehemiah began to express this, then the king began to say, okay, well, what do you need? Well, why don't we just let you go? So I mean, here they go. But then once they get there, then the prince of Persia, the dark side, now he begins to also with his cohorts anoint those over in Jerusalem, Sanballat and the Hornite and all the rest of them. And they begin to rebel and begin to fabricate lies. And my, they put up all their websites and said, y'all are following the false prophets and they said all kinds of things and was trying to cause political turmoil and Daniel was still back there and notice Daniel didn't go to Jerusalem Daniel was actually needed back in the capital isn't it amazing how God does things now you'd think to people say you know what that prophet needs to be over there but God never moved him to be over there he was needed right there in the capital because that demon was making pretty much his permanent residence in the capital and the angel was going to come down there well hallelujah 
Hope y'all come to have church tonight. So God is not going to bypass his human representation on the earth, which is Daniel and Nehemiah and Ezra and all those men. And God is going to use them. But he also, notice that God must follow his own protocol. Whenever he made these angels and placed them in their thrones, dominions, and principalities, he never stripped all that from them and made all of his angels above everyone, the rest of the world's fallen angels. But he left them in their hierarchy. So this one went with Satan. This one stayed with God. This high one went with Satan. This one stayed with God. All up and down the realms of those created beings, there was those who made up their mind to go and follow Satan. I don't mind telling you, friends, I wouldn't want to meet these things on my own. I would not, no. But I'm so glad we don't have to. So as he began to seek God, now God is going to answer his prayer, and it's not going to be by vision, which is strange in one way. This is the way that God deals with prophets, and Daniel has already seen several visions now by, by Daniel chapter 10. So God does not now want to just give him another vision, but there must be a powerful move that will come down and loose an anointing. Visions are wonderful, but sometimes it takes an angel presence to bring it among the people that'll go beyond, hope you don't get angry with me, that'll go beyond what just hearing a vision will do. Well, praise God. Remember the prophet talking about that woman that got healed and the other woman, one of them shaking her sheet and the cancer fell off and the other, and he said the angel just made his round through the neighborhood that morning. Now, the vision already happened on the platform weeks ahead of time. But what brought the deliverance? The angel with the power to set him free. So here it was, the same thing is going to happen here, that he's coming in a twofold visitation. And one of them is he's going to enlighten Daniel about what God is fixing to do, but he also must anoint the king, the king, the political power, in order to move on his heart and move him in the direction to give favor to the people of God. So this prince of Persia, once he sees what God is fixing to do, and he sends Gabriel, which is uh, one of the angels sent to the, to the tribes of Israel. Once he sends him down, then this prince, he intercepts him. Well, whenever he intercepts him, they start fighting. And as I said, doing however that angels make war. And they go back and forth and back and forth. And the warfare goes on for 21 days. And we don't know exactly if it was the morning, the evening, you know, but God sends Michael finally down on the 21st day. And whenever he comes, then he actually gives Gabriel the upper hand. So Michael stays there and, and, and Gabriel is able to be released and he goes and now he comes to Daniel. And when he comes to Daniel and Daniel seeking God and praying and being so overwhelmed, waiting three weeks and seeking God continuously, no answer. Many of us have been there when we prayed and prayed and asked God for certain things and seemed like no answer to it at all. But keep on praying. I said keep on praying. Don't give up. Now, this ruler, this prince, did not want to let go of his authority. 
or his dominion. That's amazing how the God allocates this. And he never sent Michael down now to be the messenger to Daniel, but he lets the original angel which was dispatched. So Gabriel comes on down and he makes it known to Daniel, look Daniel, you're beloved of the Lord. You're greatly loved the Lord. Tells him this several times. And he says, your prayers is heard the first day you prayed them. And actually, I was sent because of your words. Because of your words. Because of your words. You believe God still answers the prayers of his people? Now, he said, I am sent in order to be able to make this known to you. And I will show you those things which are noted in the scripture. And I will make known to you those things which will be, which will come to pass to your people in the last days. Now watch, he's got a span of two prophetic eras that he's going to make known to him. So he's going to make known to Daniel what is current in the prophecy of the, uh, what's going on in Jerusalem now and he's also going to make known to Daniel of the he goat. He's going to make known to Daniel of the further prophecy of the fourth vision by which he'd see the mighty power with some mixed horns and all of that which of course is Catholicism. So he said I'm going to let you know what's going to happen but I'm also sent to come and help those kings and soften their heart toward your people. Now, because of the prince of Persia, their hearts were being turned against the people of God. Oh, friend, I'm so glad that our God still controls such things today. Amen. So the battle between Gabriel and this prince slash demon of Persia goes on and on and on and on for day in and day out. And Daniel is totally unknown to this. He's just kind of wondering, God, you know, what in the world is going on and where are you? But I want you to notice with me in 2 Kings chapter 6 verse 13. The scripture sets forth this, this teaching in the Bible. Uh, actually about the angelic influence of, of humans on the earth. This is Elisha and he said, they're seeking Elisha and trying to find him. And the king said, go and spy where he is that I may send and fetch him. And it was told him saying, behold, he is in Dawson. And therefore sent he thither horses and chariots and a great host. And they came by night and compassed the city about. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early, and gone forth, behold, an host compassed the city, both with horses and chariots, and his servants said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? And he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Now imagine this old boy standing there and he's saying, And he don't understand. He don't understand. And Elisha knows he doesn't understand. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I praise thee. Open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. Amen. Now, Elisha knew that they were there. He was in contact with this fourth dimension and this angelic realm, and he had already seen them, and he knew that they were there, but the servant didn't. He was very fearful. So God simply opened his eyes and let him see them. So it shows us then that the angels of God are sent down to help the people of God. I wonder, my friends, I wonder. 
I wonder how many times that we've been through such difficult things in our life and we didn't have a clue how it was going to come out and we were fearful and maybe sometimes even doubtful of the outcome. And we never saw them. We never even never knew that they were there. But if God would have opened our eyes, you would have seen all around you horses and chariots. Amen. Demons were there too, but God had you surrounded. Hey, look, if them demons want to get through me, they got to get past them horses and chariots of fire. So good luck, devil. Amen. Hallelujah. Notice in Psalms 34, 7, the angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. Psalm 68, 17, the chariots of God are 20,000. Now, this is the word that I shared with you there Wednesday night. It's myriad times myriad. 20,000, which is innumerable. Even thousands of angels, the Lord is among them as in Sinai in the holy place. Psalm 91, 11, for he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. So whenever Michael is sent, it actually tips the scale and releases Gabriel to come down and be able to enlighten the prophet of God of the current events and also enlighten him on the future events. Now notice this again in verse 13. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days, but lo, Michael, one of the chief princes. And the word Michael is one who is like God. Now he is an archangel. Uh, Gabriel is not an archangel, but Michael is an archangel. And he said, then I remained also with the kings. Now notice there is a prince and then there were kings. So they are rulers. But he said, I had the ability to perform an ascendancy. I was able to ascend above this power that held him. Now, let's look like this. Here comes the angel of God, Gabriel, coming down, coming down the rim of the supernatural horizontal rainbow. He comes penetrating until he comes down, breaks into the fourth dimension. He comes over the city of the capital where this head demon is. And whenever he comes down in, this demon shouting, Hey! This is my turf! What do you think you're doing here? God sent me. Will you get your hide back up to heaven? I'm prince here. I don't care if you are. I'm getting this this message down there to Daniel. Boy, they have at it. Now, my friends, Jacob, when he wrestled the angel of the Lord, when Jacob wrestled the angel of the Lord, you remember? He was able to hold him. He was able to hold him back. Is that right? So whether it was physical in the sense of the way we relate or spiritual, who knows, but there was enough power from that fallen prince to withstand Gabriel. Now don't get scared. Greater is he he that's in you than him. Now, he wants to bring Israel into a 
position of restored favor in the eyes of the monarchs. Now remember, it was, it was the king who dreamed this dream and he saw the four stages of this power. And of course, him being the head of gold and then coming on down to silver and then coming on down. So they're moving in this symbolism of this power and it's fixing to change from the Persians to the Grecians. And we know that in this, that God is the one that sets us under control. And whenever this power now, God is actually going to overcome this power in order to give his people this liberty. Now, God could have destroyed the kingdom, but instead of doing that, God worked within the Gentile kingdoms, and he's going to bring his elect out through them. And he will deal with the elect while under the auspices of this controlling power over the entirety of the known world. Now, instead of God going and saying, all right, all of you, all of you Germans get out of here, all you Americans get out of here, get out of here, get rid of my people. God said, no, I ain't going to do that. What I'm going to do is I'm going to anoint my people under the auspices of these world powers. I will achieve what I want to achieve, even though they're under the dominion of an earthly king. Can't you see the New Testament? He does us the same way. He saves us, gives us the Holy Ghost, and still leaves us in this world fighting battles every day of our life and still conquers every devil out of hell before we leave. So he done the people of God the same way. So under the kingdom of the Medo-Persians, and it goes from the Persians to the Greeks, and then of course from there to Rome, and under each one of those powers, God was still able to fulfill prophetically what he said about his people. And let me just go ahead and tell you, he's going to do the same thing about the bride. I don't care what the Democrats do, what the Republicans do, what the Socialists do, or the Communists. God's going to fulfill his word and there ain't enough power on the earth or enough power in hell to stop him from doing so. He'll do it right in the middle of hell. Is that right? Amen. Now, what's this? So the thought is clear that we're able to see that God has Daniel the prophet to write this in order to be able to reflect to us that there is great warfare that goes on every day of our life. Friends, it, it's not, it's not the prime minister of, of Germany or, you know, these presidents of here and there, there. All they are are pawns and puppets. That's all they are. It's demons behind them that's actually doing all the maneuvering. Praise the Lord. No, that's why I tell you, I think whenever we have an election year, we ought to pray. God, you know who we need. Pray for them. God, give us who we need. What difference does it make whether it's a Democrat or Republican? What difference does that make at all? The will of God ought to be more important to you than your politics. That's right. So God, whatever we need. If we need four more years of Trump, God help us. God, if we need Bernie, burn us up, Lord. God, if we need Biden, go ahead and give it to us, Lord. Whatever we need, gaffs and all, give us what we need. But you all just say, well, whatever's going to be is going to be. Do you understand? Your prayers, your prayers have more power than the ballot box. Some of you will fight for your right to vote. What about your right to pray? I do one of the things I do best on election day. Pray. My prayer can change nations. Believe what you want. Go vote. That's what you want to do. I'm doing what I do best. Pray. 
notice this, Ephesians 1.19. Now watch Paul as he gives us a little bit of New Testament insight into this dominion. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality. Now remember, each one of these words that we're going to read is a different Greek word and has a different meaning. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this world but also in that which is to come. Watch Ephesians 6.12 For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Now listen to your enemy. But against principalities. Arche. Beginning. First. Origin. The person or thing that commences. Now these are some of the angels of the highest degree. This is what you're warring against. Don't you understand what comes between brothers in church? Don't you understand what comes between husbands and wives sometimes? It's not just your trivial difference of opinion about where to go to eat lunch on Sunday. It's not about, well, I don't think what to do though. I think what I do. Don't you understand what it is? Demons get in your home. They get between you and your wife or you and your children or you and a brother you're going to church with. Well, I'm going to preach with or without you all. They try to get between preachers and divide with doctrine and yet we will try to fight the flesh. The war is not against flesh. The war is not with you trying to outsmart your wife and get the last word or her getting the last word or you arguing or fussing with a brother. It's when spirits get between you. But how many of us are spiritual enough to even know it? Many times we will listen to that demon which whispering inside of our ear and saying, he's a liar, he's a deceiver, she's this, she's that. You realize who you're listening to many times? Many times that thing that's telling you that is telling you a lie about a man that's just as much a son of God as you are or a daughter that's just as much a daughter of God as you are and you're listening to the lie of the devil. Well, I'm going to preach Happy Valley. Shame on us for not being spiritual enough to be able to discern and look and realize our enemy is not one another. Our enemy is not our brother. It's not our sister. It is these powers that try to come against us. Oh my. But against principalities and against powers, which is excusia, authority given, relegated, and against the rulers of the darkness of this world, Lord of the world, Prince of the age, the devil and demons are called this. Notice this. So there's principalities, rulers of the darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness. Spiritual wickedness. Spiritual Pneumaticus. Now this is the exact the root word that we've I've been sharing with you for some time, which is pneuma, which is the word spirit, pneuma. And here this word comes from that same root word, pneumaticus, which means it is a spirit being. Spirit being, belonging to a spirit or a being the higher than man, but inferior to God. But now notice all of these spiritual ones are not archaic. 
The Arche was the first, which of course was Lucifer. The first in their categories that were created by God. And then there are some which are just spiritual ones. You know, they're just the little ragtag devils that you deal with and make you sniffle and sneeze and cough and little guys like that. They're, they're, not, they're not big, big demons to be put in charge of nations. They wouldn't know what to do with them. I love humiliating them. <laughs> That's right. They're not great big old important things, you know. But now notice then Paul says that there are the spiritual wickedness in high places. And the word there is heavenly, celestial, things that take place in heaven or the heavenly regions. Now remember that Satan was actually kicked out of heaven from the north side, which was the abode of God. But he was kicked out of heaven into heaven. He was kicked out of heaven into heaven. Remember, there's more than one heaven. There's heavens. These are the generation of the heavens, the Bible says. So there's more than one heaven. So Satan was kicked out from the north side, out of heaven where God dwells. And he was kicked then into the heavens. And then, of course, on down to the earth. What's this in future home? All this, its existence that's in the earth now, man-made systems, politics, sin, all kinds of evil spirits that the world is contaminated with, and all the heavens above us in here is contaminated with evil spirit. This is why John said, I saw a new heavens and a new earth. Now, since that time, Satan has still had access to be able to go up to where God resides because he is the opposing lawyer on the other side of darkness. So he wants to constantly point his finger about you and I and accuse us before the throne of God. And as long as the rapture has not taken place, he will be allowed his court appearance time. But one day, he's going to be kicked out of heaven. Amen for the last and final time. Now, notice though he was kicked out, but that does not mean that the consummation of his judgment was reached as yet. But he was kicked out from having a position in the heavenlies, which where he was, was created at. And then God allowed him to stay there, build the kingdom in the north. And then God disposed of him and said, you no longer have a residence here. You lost your first estate. So your estate is now taken. So the estate taken from him... And the other angels, remember the Bible tells us that in the, in the book of Jude, that they fell from their first estate. Now what's this? Paul in Colossians 1.16, he says, For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in the earth, visible, invisible, whether they be thrones, plural, or dominions, plural, or principalities, or powers, all things were created by him and for him. Now, when the Lord Jesus comes to the earth, he, of course, knew what Lucifer was since he was the one who made him. And he knew what he was in that current time in the way that he must defeat him. Notice this in St. John 12, 31. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince 
of this world be cast out. Now Jesus is shortly fixing to go, of course, to the journey of to the cross, and he knows that something is fixing to happen. You remember whenever uh, Jesus in Matthew 10 sent the apostles out, and they begin to cast out devils and heal the sick and preach the gospel, and then they come back rejoicing, and oh my, they just rejoice and rejoice, and, and, and Jesus said, I beheld Satan as lightning cast down out of heaven. Now he associates this fall, this particular one, of a condescension of Satan from a premier place in the heavens associated with it with the action of the church displaying the supernatural of God. But remember, whenever he's cast down, it doesn't always mean that he cannot go back up. Now that, of course, will take place when you go up, then he comes down. By you being there, he can't go back. <laughs> Glory! You prohibit him from becoming the real king of the earth while you are here, and once you get there, he can't go back because you're there. <laughs> Glory to God. So Jesus says now, now watch the judgment of the world is coming to that time. So Jesus knows by his life he's going to set this cycle. It is the cycle of the end. This is the beginning of the end. And the prince would be cast out. And I love the way he says this in St. John fourteen thirty. Hereafter, I will not talk much with you. For the prince of this world cometh the prince of this world coming. Now Jesus knowing that he's going to have to go to Calvary and no doubt there's things that he went through not only with the people but with Satan and his demons that were tormenting him that we don't even have a clue of what he faced. But Jesus told him, the prince is coming. It ain't going to be one of them little imps. It's going to be the man himself. I imagine Jesus is ready for him. Notice he said, I will not talk much with you for the prince of this world coming. Now what I love about this is that it is the person of Satan, but he also will embody his work and the people of Rome and the people of the temple and the Sanhedrin and Jesus is identifying them. I'll not say a whole lot because the prince of this world. Now you would have not seen the devil personally. The devil never had a fork or tail and a pitchfork or anything like that, but you saw Satan coming by his representatives into the garden to pack our Lord Jesus away. Can't you see? It's the permeating of both kings. They're both impressing the humans on the earth that are under their influence. Oh, hallelujah. What if the kingdom of the prince was coming represented by human beings? How's the kingdom of God going to come? Represented by human beings. Notice the way Jesus severs himself now from every other mortal that was born after the seed lines were mixed in Genesis 6. Hereafter I will not talk much with you. For the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me. Now I'm going to tell you something friend. They may seem like simple words to you but there had not been a man since Adam that could say this. Every other man, glory to God, every other man, especially those that were born after Genesis 6, he had something deposited in each of them when they broke that womb. But Jesus said he has nothing, oh glory to God, he has nothing in me to attach himself to. <laughs> he has, there's nothing in me that identifies with his kingdom. There's nothing about my birth 
Jesus. Glory to God. There's nothing about my birth. There's nothing about my humanity that identifies me with him. He has nothing. Glory to God. He has nothing. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. I can't wait till the morning of the body change when I'll be able to finally say the same thing. He has nothing in me. I can say it tonight from my soul, Brother Frank, but my old body, come on now, children, my old body knows, hey, I had that navel just like you did. I've got that old unregenerate flesh and it still aggravates me and bothers me, but one day I'll be able to stand and say, he has nothing in me. Nothing. There is no principle, no feeling of participation. With his darkness, he has nothing. Hey, Satan should have known that Terry's in trouble. <laughs> Notice Luke twenty-two fifty-three. When I was daily with you in the temple, you stretched forth no hands against me. But this is your hour. Now, I don't want to scare you. I don't want to alarm you. But I want to be truthful with you. Every one of us go through times that we face this scripture. When God will allow Satan. Times that he will permit him to do things against us. Is that right? And most assuredly. Whenever we go by the way of the grave. You know it as well as I do. And you see many godly a saint. And they suffer and they go through so many things. Right? Why couldn't God let all of his children just lay down and go to sleep? Wouldn't that be wonderful? But there's no promise in the word of that. Oh my. Now here Jesus is acknowledging this. And he says, this is your hour. And... The power of darkness. It's a great thing to be able to acknowledge that God allows those things to come to pass in your life and you don't lose faith when they do. But you see, for many of us, whenever horrific things happen, oh Lord, we just lose all faith. I'm going to quit and I'm going back to the world. I'm forgetting God. Why? Why? God is the only one that can keep you from such things. And if he and his wisdom allows you to go through it, then there's going to be a great testimony on the other side somehow. We have to trust his heart even when we don't understand his will. Come on, saints. So here, the Lord Jesus is saying, look, this could not happen had not my father. Now, you know they raised up time and time again and tried to kill him. They wanted to kill him. You know why they couldn't? It was not their hour. Their desire preceded their time. The world would love to kill us. Would they not? The world, the many people of the world hate us so bad, they would love to kill us. But God will not allow them to do so. Now, if any of us have to go that way, then so be it. But they cannot do it until God allocates the hour. You're brought on, oh my, you're brought on the earth for the purpose of God, and you're not going to leave till God gets done with you. You hear that TB? You hear that cancer? You hear that high blood pressure? 
Amen. When you go through the test, you found favor with God. I read it today. Brother Bram said, tension is a blessing. I thought, I'm so blessed. I am one blessed mortal. How come I don't feel like it? Come on, some of you tense Christians, you come in, you're wound up tight on a banjo string yourself. So tense, uh, don't touch me. Ah, don't touch me. We're touch me nots. It's not because we think we're so righteous, we're just tuned up so high. Under such tension, you're under tension at home, tension at work, tension with the coronavirus, tension with this, tension with that. Oh Lord, what are we going to do? I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to do the same thing we always do. We're going to trust the Lord Jesus. men nor demons can raise their power against you unless your father allows it. Praise be to God. Notice Jesus. He said this is your hour and the power of darkness. Hmm. So when did they come and get him? His prayers, his intercession with the Father, the Father leaving, leaving him in the Garden of Gethsemane would have been over approximately 2.30, something like that, in the morning. So here they come in the hours of darkness. From the time they pick him up till they crucify him, he has six different trials. All of them fabrications by religious people. Who pushed and propagated it. It was the religious people who wanted him to go before the Romans. By nine o'clock in the morning, he was on the cross. Nine o'clock in the morning, the third hour, that's nine o'clock. Most of the people aren't even stirring about yet. They did their evil, their rottenness, the corruption. Under what? The guise of darkness. And Jesus acted and seemed as if though he was totally powerless. Satan can't understand that. By nine o'clock being on the cross, you imagine what some of the followers of the Lord Jesus thought? By nine o'clock when they go out to get their food and they didn't have refrigerators and things like that. So many of them would buy their food fresh every day. They still do in certain parts of the world. I've been there. So they go out to the market and buy their fruits and vegetables and whatever more for the day. And they hear, Jesus is crucified. What? Well, how come we didn't? How come nobody told us? Because that's the way politicians work. And demon possessed religious leaders. One of these days, the people of America will wake up and find out they've done been sold out to Catholicism. They'll done find out their liberties are gone. Their freedoms are gone. Oh, no. Oh, because that's the way Satan works. Notice this Jesus speaking to Paul in Acts 26, 17. Delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan. Unto God. Friends, I wonder to this day for those of us who are saved 
if we really wonder how lost we were. I wonder if we really understand what we was under. It must have seemed so impossible that Satan felt like all humanity was doomed and damned. His power was so strong over us. How could we ever break it? Don't you see? That's why people in the age we're living in, that's why the power of alcohol and the power of drugs and the powers of religion is so strong. Without the Holy Ghost, the people can never break free. You know, as well as I do, they go in one rehab deal and come out the back door of another and they go in one and out another without the power of God to set them free. They'll be damned and lost. And think of it, we would have been the same way had not the grace of God moved on our heart and delivered us not just from smoking and drinking, but from the power of darkness. We were delivered from the power of Satan. Demons who lived in our souls. Oh, you said, I never had no demons. If you had pride, you did. Brother Bam said, that's one of the demons that was cast out of Mary Magdalene, pride. Oh, some of y'all think it's witchcraft and getting drunk, all that sort of thing. No. Oh, my. Paul, I've sent you to deliver these people. Notice Ephesians 2.1. And you, amen, hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins where in time past you walked. Think of it. You were walking dead. Isn't that a paradox? We were dead, but we were walking around on the earth. That's where you realize the majority of the world, that's what they are. The walking dead. They're dead in sin. They're dead in trespasses. Dead in religion. And I was right there with them. Oh, but praise God, I have raised from the dead. I'm still walking around, but I ain't dead no more. I'm alive. I said, I'm alive. Aren't you glad you're alive? We're not dead. Where in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Ephesians 2, 3. Among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. I love the way he separates this. And were by nature the children of wrath, not by seed. <laughs> by nature I was a children of wrath, a child of wrath, but by seed, by representation. Amen. By nature I was. By nature you were. But thank God by nature tonight. Even my nature has been changed. I'm not a child of wrath. I'm not a child 
of judgment. I'm a child of mercy. I'm a child of forgiveness. I'm a child of honor. I'm a child of trust. I'm a child of obedience. Praise God. Let me read a couple more verses here and we'll close. Colossians 1.12, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us, not going to, but hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Amen. Notice what he done first. Paul said, who hath delivered us. And the word delivered is rescued. Properly applied to dragging a person out of battle or the jaws of danger. So much for what you done. Well, glory to God, I went down to the altar. <laughs> Hallelujah to God. I fasted 40 days. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing. Shut up. What happened to you was God blessed a hold of you and drug you out of the jaws of death. God drug you out of that world that you love. Well, hallelujah. God got a hold of you and dragged you out of that alcohol den and out of that prostitute place. God dragged you out. The power exerted over us in the dark kingdom that we belong to, and it made it surrender and drug us out. Some of you have still been there to this day if God hadn't got a hold of you and drugged you. Now, this is the kind of drugs I promote. This drug right here, I'm all for this drug right here. When the Holy Ghost gets a hold of you and goes to dragging you out of Pentecostalism or Catholicism or the world of darkness and God said, come on, boy. No, Lord, no, no, no. Wait, no, God said, I ain't waiting no more. Come on, get out of here. <laughs> Spiritually, I've still got his claw marks on my shoulders. <laughs> Jesus got a hold of my life and he won't let me go. <laughs> Glory to God. So first party delivered us. Second party translated us. You ready for this? The word translated is a word properly applied to the transplanting of races and the settlement of them in a new home. A transplanting of races. So God had a new race. Amen. Amen. He's transplanting the entire race into the kingdom of his dear son. Amen. What is it? It's the new race. Black, white, red, yellow. Don't make no difference what color your skin is. The new race. Hallelujah. It's the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And God translated that new race and settled them down in Christ Jesus and said, welcome home, children. Welcome home, children. This is your new place. 
Let's see. Transplanting of races into the settlement and a new home. Salvation begun the rescue. And the the transplanting placed us in the new kingdom. What are we waiting for now? The outside to be transplanted. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Let me read you one more scripture. 1 Peter 2, 9. But you are a chosen generation. A royal priesthood. A holy nation of peculiar people. That you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God. Which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Does Satan forgive? Does Satan wink at people's ignorance? Does Satan say, I understand? Does Satan say, I feel so sorry for you. I've got you hooked on these drugs and now you've lost your job and you've lost your family. I'm just going to get out of you and leave you alone and let you go back and be a normal guy. He'll take that guy to his grave and then take him to hell. He cannot understand forgiveness. Friends, this is what worries me about people who claim they're Christians. And cannot forgive. Make sure our heart, our profession, our being, our soul matches the very nature of our kingdom. Oh, but brother, don't sister so-and-so done so-and-so. It's terrible against me. And you think she sinned against you as much as you sinned against God? Jesus says... When you stand praying, forgive. And the prophet picks it up in perfect faith and he said, then we see perfect faith. This faith is based upon forgiveness. Make me more like you, Jesus. You see, Satan don't want this about Jesus. To him, it's weak. It's inferior. He just can't relate to it at all, Brother Jim. But to us, that's one thing that makes him so great, Brother Philip, that he can love us. He can love us in spite of our, let's just be honest, our stupidity. Some of us have been dumber than a cow. We've been dumber than dogs and cats in the way we've treated God after we got saved. We're dumber than a mule. What God's done for us and some of the stupid, crazy stuff the way we've done to God. And what does He do? Loves us and forgives us. Praise God. Imagine every time God in His mercy extends to us. Them demons just, wow. I wish my boss was like that. Man, you mess up more the devil. He tans your hide. I mean, they can't understand pardon. They can't understand this kind of grace. Not only from the God level, but some of you perplex them. 
the way people have treated you and the way they've done you, and you from your heart are able to forgive them. You imagine them demons as they gathered together in that Colosseum that night and they moved on that little boy and that little girl and they started behaving inappropriately before the prophet and he spoke to him a couple of times and finally, you know, Spirit of God, whatever you say. You imagine demons, yeah, yeah, yeah. See the same thing that got on John and them. Lord, you want to call fire down out of heaven? Hallelujah! Jesus said, boys, you don't know what spirit you're of. Who was it? Demons on John. Demons on John. Oh, we'll call fire. That's what Satan wants to do. But instead, the prophet said, I forgive you. We want to heal like him. Do we want to forgive like him? We want to speak in tongues the way he did. But do we want to pardon the way? I'm waiting for them to come and forgive me. That's not the way Jesus forgave. I have no record whatsoever that the Roman soldiers ever said, Lord, I'm sorry. But on the cross, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. You're not like you, Jesus yet, friends, if you just forgive those who ask you. No, 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 no. Some of you can't even do that. You got to take a step higher. I forgive folks constantly who trespass against me. Many of them will never come. Preachers have offended me. Preachers have run me down, ridiculed me, called me every name imaginable. Years ago when I was preaching certain things from here at the church, oh, my preacher, I wish Brother Donnie had shut up. Of course, now they're preaching the same thing. But did they ever come to me and say, I'm sorry, forgive me? Nope. And you know what? I ain't waiting for them to. I done forgive them a long time ago. Because I really want to be like Jesus. I don't just say that to you. I want to be like him. Anybody else? Let's bow our heads together. Praise God. Oh, Father, I'm sure that if we thought very long at all, most of us would be able to remember those days of darkness when our lives were so wrapped up in sin and the things that Satan had felt like no doubt would be prisoners forever until the day we died and then he'd take us to hell with him but Jesus you came by and performed a rescue some of you grabbed a hold of them on a bar stool Billy Andrews sitting there drinking. Spirit of God spoke to him and said, this is your last chance. You drug him out. You had to say some scary things to him. But you drug him out. And then here tonight, Lord, you got a hold to their heart, their life. You drug them out. Then once you got us drug out, you didn't leave us in the gutter somewhere. But you washed us, sanctified us. Filled us with the Holy Ghost and then transplanted us over amongst our brothers and sisters, this new race that you started 2,000 years ago on the day of Pentecost. We ain't got something different than what they had. We've just been restored back to what the original church had initially. You've been transplanting folks for 2,000 years. We're just some of the last ones to get in before the door closes. 
We want you to know we're so grateful, Father. And how we long for the day, Father God, when our bodies will be able to be transplanted as well. But until that time arrives, we want to live a victorious life. Oh God, I get so sick and tired of your children barely hanging on, barely surviving from one service to another, besetting sins, wearing them out, and family problems and this and that. Lord, we're, we're never going to be free from these things. Many of us in our mind, we keep thinking, well, it'll get better next week. It'll, it'll get better, really. It'll probably be worse next, by the, next week, this time. We have to learn how to live in this troubled world and be victorious in the troubled world instead of trying to wait till we leave the troubled world and be victorious. Help us, I pray, Father. Lord Jesus, we need you tonight. Lord, us to try to face these things on our own. The prophet relates to us about those demons and he would cast them out. He said they would come to his motel room at night. He would hear chains rattling all night long. He would feel their flesh rubbing against his flesh. They would haunt him. They would come and they would even follow his meetings from one meeting to another. And he related to us how that he did not want to meet them on his, on his own. So Lord, how much more do we not want to meet them on our own? But we're so grateful we don't have to. I pray tonight, Father, for every young man, every young woman, every married man, married woman. I pray for each of them, visible and invisible. Be our strength, Lord Jesus. Be our courage. Be that which we have need of, Father. We want to live our lives as conquerors, overcomers, not people that barely hang on. Lord Jesus, we call upon your name. Hallelujah. Whatever lays in front of us, whatever hour of darkness is allowed to rise against us, it could not come unless you allowed it. Father, many that we're praying for, I think about Brother Ron Spencer now, Lord, and others that we prayed for, dear God, you knew these hours would come. You knew. But yet, Father, we believe your word even in the hour of darkness. And when the power of darkness seems to be taking advantage of us, we still believe our lives are in your hands. Oh, Jesus, I pray you'd quicken us tonight, Lord. Thank you, Father. We worship you, Lord Jesus. Praise God. We're a new people. We've moved over into a new land. Over here in this new land, we believe in shouting. In this new land, we believe in the supernatural. We've been transplanted from where we used to live, and we might have laughed at God. We might have made fun of folks that shouted and danced before the Lord. But now we're in the land. It's part of what we do because we've been transplanted. It's a land of liberty. It's a land of freedom. Praise God. We love you, Lord Jesus. We worship you tonight, Father God. We lift our hands, Lord, in your presence. Hallelujah. We bless your name, Lord. We worship you, mighty God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, there will be no end to your kingdom, Lord Jesus. We exalt you, Father God. 
We exalt you with all that's in us, Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Can we just worship him a little bit, saints? Aren't you glad you're not dead tonight? You're alive. He drug you out of that bar. He drug you out of that church or wherever you was. Praise God. He's transplanted you into a kingdom, into the kingdom of his dear son. Hallelujah. Sing something, Harry. Let's just worship him a little bit together before we go. Oh, praise God. We worship you, Lord Jesus. We bless your name, Heavenly Father. What a privilege to live for you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. No freedom from my sorrow I've Like a blind man that God gave back a sign. Praise the Lord, I saw the light. Oh, I saw the light. I saw the light. No more in darkness. No more in dying. Now I'm so happy. No sorrow inside. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. 
We worship you tonight, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Where would you be tonight, friend, if he hadn't put his hands of grace on you and drug you out? Amen. He drug you out. Amen. Filled you with the Holy Ghost and then transplanted you into the kingdom of his dear son. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We worship you tonight, Father. Sing something else, Harry. It's too early to go home yet. It ain't even nine o'clock yet. We can't go home this early. But Brother Donnie, we're going to lose an hour. You'll lose more than that standing outside. Let's worship him a little bit more before we go. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. The courtroom. Oh, yes, Lord. The judge turned. Listen now. My way. It looks like you're guilty. Now, what do you say? I spoke of your honor. Your honor? I have no. See? 
Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Heavenly Father, thank you tonight, Lord. We stood guilty before your court of justice. We were born lost, renegades. The hiss of the serpent was over each of us. We either were born rich, born poor, born paupers or beggars. Made no difference what race of humanity we were born in. We were all born lost. But thank you, Lord. The blood was presented. And it covered our sins. We know even at this very moment, our accuser is still before the throne. The prophet illustrated it for us. He said he starts with Adam and says, I caused Adam to do this. I called Moses to do that and brought it on down to us. But you're standing there, Lord Jesus, saying, Father, forgive them. Father, I died for them. Father, I redeem them. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We know, Lord, in Revelation 12, another battle will take place right at the rapture slash beginning of the tribulation period. And Satan and his angels will be cast out of the heavenlies. They're made to leave for the last time. And we know, Lord, that it'll be the symbolism when the bride goes up heaven starts singing a song rejoice oh ye heavens rejoice oh ye heavens for the accuser of the brethren have been cast down to the earth heaven begins to break out in a chorus because when the bride goes up, he comes down. Glory to God. Heaven starts singing and rejoicing. The angels which have ministered to us all along our journey will begin to sing in angelic voices. Cherubim, seraphim, zooms. The martyrs, the redeemed. Glory to God. Because the accuser of the brethren is cast down to the earth. It's a paradox because the voice tells the heavens to rejoice. But then it says, woe to the inhabitants of the earth. For the devil has come down. He knows that he has a short time. Oh Jesus, may we be part of that number that's rejoicing in heaven, Father. Not a part of that number that woes are pronounced upon them. Father, we so love you tonight. Thank you for your mercy. I'm so glad I don't live for the devil. I need so much grace and so much mercy and I know he ain't got none. I need understanding and I know he ain't got none of that. I need pity. I need so much, Lord. Hallelujah. He's a wicked, evil taskmaster. 
wicked and evil, hates his people and destroys them. I'm so glad, Lord Jesus, you gave me a heart to be tuned towards you. I need to be loved. I need to be nurtured. Satan don't never take people in his arms, as we'd say, and love on them and pet them. He entices them and throws them into temptation and all kinds of evil. Lord Jesus, you pull us up close and whisper love secrets to us. Hallelujah. I love you tonight, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, I love you. Your prophet tells us in 1956, there in Brooklyn, when he was there, he said, God is a lover. And God is looking for cold, starchy hearts that he can make love to. Oh, Jesus, may we give you our hearts tonight, Lord, but may they not be cold and starchy. May the presence of God warm them, Lord, and make them viable and moldable and bendable, Lord Jesus, so you can pull us up close and we just melt in your arms, as it were, Lord God. Take the harshness away from us. and Oh, Jesus, make us like you. Thank you, Father. Go with us now, Lord. Bring us back again in the morning. Thank you for the service tonight. So enjoyed your word. Thank you, Father. We enjoyed your presence. Thank you, Jesus. Go with us now, Father. Bring us back again if it be pleasing to you. In Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Can you say it's been good to be in the house of the Lord? <laughs> Amen. Sing something for us. Hey, I don't know if y'all are still shaking hands or if you're bumping or air fisting or whatever you're doing, but just speak to somebody. Just don't cough in their face, but just speak to them. God bless you. It's been good to be in church with you tonight. Amen. God bless you, friends. Look, I know all these things are going on and fear and this and that and the other, the coronavirus. And do, do I think we should be careful? Certainly. Wash your hands, do all that. That should just good, clean hygiene. But I, I'll tell you one thing, who I see in all this whole thing. I see the devil himself. You look at the Chinese holiday, the way it worked out exactly for them to be off all those weeks. I don't know if you know it or not, but the Chinese, during their holiday, they hit the world. Years ago, they didn't have the money to do it. But they hit the world now to be able to go traveling here and there and there. Isn't it amazing the time frame of this coronavirus coming from China at the very time of the beginning of the new Chinese year when all these Chinese people traveling here and there and there. Don't tell me we're not dealing with demonology. And he's not just dealing with the virus itself. And now there's two strains, you know, the, S, the L strain and the S strain because this thing keeps mutating. It keeps mutating. But I not only look at that part, but I look at the fear part behind it as well. That people are so afraid and so terrified. And no doubt it will come right closer to us. So what are we going to do? Same thing we always do. Ask God for His mercy and His grace to help us. Watch. Sure. Everything that you can do in your power. But some of these things are out of your power. So we have to commit to a higher power. God bless you. Well, Brother Donnie, you're going to quarantine? I've been quarantined since I got the Holy Ghost. Quarantined from sin. Ha, ha, ha.
I'm going to take care of myself, right? I'm going to take care of myself. And, you know, I pray, meet a lot of people and pray for a lot of people. And I watch all that. I'm mindful of all of that. But I refuse to let fear grab a hold of our hearts. If it comes, if some of us gets it, we'll pray it off of you. Don't worry. If I get it, you all pray it off of me. Whatever comes our way, we face it together as the people of God. And we keep marching. And the church said... God bless you. Sing, Harry. I love you in the Lord. Jesus got a hold of my life, and he won't let me go. Oh, Jesus got into my heart, he got into my soul. I used to be oh so sad, but now I'm free and glad. Jesus got a hold of my life and he won't let me go Oh Jesus got a hold of my life and he won't let me go Oh Jesus got into my heart he got into my soul I used to be so sad but now I'm free and glad since Jesus got a hold of my life and he won't let me go Jesus got a hold of my life and he won't let me go Jesus got in God.